I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Baby boomers, millennials, Gen Xers, where do you fall? And where do your kids fall? If they were born after 1995, they are being labeled iGen. These are simply labels, but it is a way that we can wrap our arms around what's happening culturally, societally, and begin to name it. And of course, social scientists love to do all the research and the, the uh, testing and the graphing of trends. And today we are talking about trends. Does it apply to you? Maybe, maybe not. So today we're looking at the book that's called iGen, Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood, and what that means for the rest of us. This is by Jean Twenge. Jen, what do you think about iGen? And this is I generation, as in the I is the internet. And I know you are raising some I Jenners over there. What was interesting to me about this concept at first, learning about iGen, which I think is funny because I could write a book called iGen. Get it? You could. Yeah, I could. I um, get it. What I think is is interesting about this concept is that I see a generation gap between my kids who are all technically part of this generation. So my oldest was born in 1997. And according to this book, iGen goes between, um, born between 95 and 2012, which is all of my kids. But there's a big difference between what my born in 97 kid has experienced and grew up with and what my born in 2006 kid has experienced and grown up with. So I think it will also be interesting to see 
how those uh, mini shifts break down. That said, I think it is useful to kind of look at this and say, okay, this is definitely a population of kids who, as the title says, is more connected than we could have imagined, way more connected than I imagined when I was a kid. I didn't even know this was possible that you could be talking to people on the other side of the world in real time about anything. And our kids do it on a regular basis. And that we get to see them too. That was always my big dream when I was on the phone with my friends when I was growing up. So let's just pause here and look at the trends that Jean Twenge talks about in her book. And then we can dive Mm -hmm. in and see see how it lands for our listeners. So she is citing 10 important trends that are shaping iGeners and therefore all of us. She says the, this generation is in no hurry that the extent that childhood is extending into adolescence. So they're having longer childhood rather than a longer on the other end of adolescence into adulthood. Of course, the internet, time on phones, and what that has replaced. Another important trend is in-person, no more, that she is seeing a decline in in in-person social interactions. Insecure, there is a sharp rise in mental health issues. Irreligious, there is a decline in attendance at traditional churches, synagogues, mosques insulated but not intrinsic, that there is an interest in safety but a decline in civic involvement, income insecurity, Mm. finding new attitudes toward work, indefinite new attitudes towards sex, relationships, and having children, inclusive, that there is more acceptance now and equality desire for equality and free speech debates, and independent in their political views. Nice that she put them all with the letter I, so we can remember I, Jen. She had to work really hard at that, I bet. Kind of think so, but my hat's off to her. On the one hand, it sounds like a bit of a depressing list. Some of those things sound kind of scary, but yeah, a lot of it sounds pretty on target. The one thing I would take issue with is thinking of them as scary. I was talking to my 18-year-old last week, and I told him that, you know, there was this book, and we were working on this podcast, and, and you know, a lot of the things that people are saying about this generation, you mentioned that uh, childhood is extending longer, according to her observations, and so... In the book, she and um, other people have written about this as well. They talk about things like kids today are less eager to learn how to drive. You know, it's, it's not like I can't wait until I'm 16. There are kids who are going well beyond 16 with no interest in getting a license. Less independent. They are more likely to stay home and to not do things without their parents. Less likely to date. The upside of that one is um, teen pregnancy rate is like the lowest it's ever been. So there's that. Less likely to work. And like you said, the less in-person socialization. So yeah, on the one hand, that sounds depressing. But talking with my 18-year-old, he said, you know, people have been fretting about this generation 
forever. Forever. No matter who's the older generation, we're looking down at the younger generation going, well, kids these days. So there's some of that that always goes on. And the other thing that he said, which really made me think, is that generally speaking, we as people today in the world, and especially in the United States and other developed countries, we have more freedom, more tolerance, more stability than so many generations previously, but we're fretting about all the things that we don't have. And yes, we should be working towards things like continued equality and continued acceptance. But I wonder if some of this is fretting a little bit unnecessarily. Well, I think part of the fretting, if you want to call it that, is about the connectivity that we have of seeing in real time a demonstration or a fire mm-hmm. or whatever is happening that does cause us to fret and to worry and to have anxiety. So, and on the other hand, that connection is so powerful when there's a demonstration, when there's a fire, then we are connected and we can support. But it, it does lead to more worry. I agree with you completely. And that's part of what this is getting at. You know, a, a school shooting is a terrible thing because we are all so connected now. It's almost like everyone that happens is happening in my world. Yes. You know, it's not, even if it's not happening at my local school, I know about it. I'm seeing the pictures, I am feeling some of that emotional energy. And whether I want to shield my kids from this or not, they're connected. They know about it even before they get home from school. So that is the world that our kids are growing up in and that we have to work on navigating with them. Well, and I think this is a really good place to just say you have to be the gatekeeper as much as you can. I mean, the minute you hand them a smartphone, you are no longer the gatekeeper all bets are off. They're going to access whatever they want to access. So there is a movement afoot about waiting till eighth, eighth grade, till they have a smartphone, till their brains are enough developed that they can navigate some of the challenges. And, you know, this just all circles back around to how addictive they are designed to be, how compelling you've got your clock, your camera, you know, your calendar, everything's right there. So you have to have it. It's for all of us to recognize the upsides and the downsides of this connectivity that we have. I think the big problem, if you want to call it, it's not just that the connectivity happened. Like you said, it's got pros and it's got cons, but it really sprung up a lot quicker than many of us were prepared for. Those of us who are parenting right now, don't know what the hell we're doing. Mm -hmm. Those who are grandparents and teachers right now don't know what the hell we're doing. These tools did not exist. We don't know how to cope with this. We are making it up as we're going along. And frankly, I find it funny sometimes that adults get on kids for how they use their phones and um, devices because it's not like we have it figured out. 
so many of the examples of people behaving badly online are not teenagers, full-fledged adults. So that's why I think this shift, whatever the shift ends up being in society is so challenging for us right now because we just got thrust into it and we're having to make it up as we go along. She talked about how iGeners present, especially on social media, as calm and composed on the surface, but paddling madly underneath like ducks. And I think that we are all in that place of like, oh, I totally have this handled. You know, I just check my social media once a day and I'm good. And yet there's all those underlying things that we are paddling madly about. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope that I come across as calm and professional online because I want people to hire me. I want people to work with me, but oh my gosh, am I paddling madly underneath and just trying to keep all the things up in the air. So uh, one takeaway for parents is to, you know, be honest with yourself, give yourself some compassion and double that and extend that to your children. This brings to mind a couple of summers ago, I was with my niece and her friend. She was about 15 at the time and we were at a lake it was summer we were out on the dock and they her and her friend were taking pictures and posting pictures and and I asked them both I said do you like this what how is this for you here we are it's beautiful you know all those things that adults say and and uh her friend my niece's friend said actually I don't, I wish I didn't have to do this. I don't Mm. like this. I said, well, what would you be doing instead if you didn't have a phone? And she said, I'd be playing with my brother. I'd be out playing basketball with him. And so this is also a takeaway for parents is to recognize that you can put limits. You can say no. And I think it's imperative that you give your kids a break from the phone and it may not go over too well, but you know, it might be that you go out camping and nobody has their phone or whatever. It doesn't even have to be that extreme, but our kids need to experience what life is like without a phone in their back pocket or in their hand. And research has shown that their moods and empathy go up very quickly once they have some phone-free, screen-free time. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T.com 
slash podcast, and it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer, and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, Increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. I agree with caveats. <laughs> of course, I always do, don't I? I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to be careful and not ascribe all of this to technology and to the phones because a lot of other things have happened. This whole parental movement towards um, helicopter parenting and hovering over our children and wanting to make life as smooth and pleasant for them as possible well-intentioned, but we've seen that that can have detrimental effects on our kids. I mean, it basically can create kids who are paralyzed and don't know what to do or how to do anything because they've never had to. So that was happening apart from phones. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of these, you know, kids not wanting to go places on their own or do things. Let's face it. We have told them so many times, no, you can't. It's dangerous out there. Ranger danger. Right? And so in a lot of ways, we as the adults took away kids' opportunities to just explore and try and experiment. So while that's happening, technology is coming up. Well, then technology became the way they could 
experiment and connect because we were scared of having them outside. So you have to keep all of that in mind, I think. And, you know, even when it comes to something like uh, kids today being less likely to want to get their driver's license, let's face it, in a lot of places, it doesn't make sense to get a driver's license right now. If I lived in a big city and I was a teenager and there was public transportation and Uber, yeah. why do I want my driver's license? So our kids are, you know, they're doing their best to navigate all of this. But yes, I do think everybody, not just kids, but us grownups too, need to find and create times to be tech-free, even if just for a while. It's part of why I love camping and part of why I take my kids camping. You know, as the phones have changed, they have, it's easier to be connected even in the middle of nowhere, right? Like it used to be if they didn't have a Wi-Fi signal, they couldn't be online. Well, now everybody has unlimited mobile data and there's more cell towers. And so it's harder to find those places. I don't think you can just take away phones or say, put your phone aside unless there's also something to take its place. And I'm not saying it's the parent's job to keep the kid entertained all the time, but you got to look at both ends of it. If you give a kid something meaningful and interesting to do, they're more likely to do that without a phone than if you just say, give me your phone. Exactly. So when we go camping, we do things like go hiking and we, I, I will go along while they go fishing and I'll either hike or I'll read a book while they fish because that's something that they enjoy doing. This year, I did make some concessions. My teenagers, the 18-year-old the and the 15-year-old, it was so funny, Janet, because you know how at home the stereotype is the teenagers go in their room because they need some alone time? I swear to you, at night, in the evening, after we've done whatever we did during the day and we had our campfire and made food, those two went and sat in the van, in the van, doors closed, cranked their music, and they were on their phones. And I knew they were Snapchatting and texting friends. You know what? If you gave me all day with your family, have fun. Yep. It's finding that balance, finding those mutually satisfying solutions because Mm -hmm. it is a part of their life. You and I, we can remember a time without the internet. And And in that time, you and I couldn't do what we're doing right now. I know. We wouldn't even know each other. Exactly. Exactly. But finding that balance, right? And I still work on this for myself. I know that it's all too easy for me to just scroll, scroll, scroll on my phone instead of putting it down sometimes and actually doing something that I would enjoy, like painting, like going for a walk, like talking to a friend in real life. Yeah. And I think that is a place where we can be watchful for our kids of how much they are socializing together. I mean, I know Sam has his 24-hour garage challenge and things (laughs) like that. There is a place where it is hard to get together. There's not a lot for kids to do. Mm -mm. And so can your house be the place where kids hang out? But just to notice it and then brainstorm with your kiddos about, well, how, what could we do? How, you know, the holidays are coming up bake cookies together with your friends. I mean, that's what we used to do was get together and play cards and kind of have to maybe tutor the kids in here's ways, here's some fun stuff you can do getting together. 
Is that just completely crazy? I don't think it's completely crazy. I mean, one thing that I'm already thinking of, I don't know if this will come to fruition, but was thinking um, of having the kids have some friends over and doing board games. I grew up playing board games because that's what there was. Mm -hmm. I played a lot of board games with my kids when they were little. It's kind of fallen by the wayside as they've gotten older. And I think it would be fun to do with friends. And some of those games, you need a lot of people. Like apples to apples is great fun when you have a crowd. It's really boring when you have two people. Yeah, bring that back. And we used to, my kids would get together and play solitaire like group solitaire, everybody had a deck of cards and you were playing solid, playing on anybody's aces. And I mean, we've had 10 kids spread out on the floor playing group solitaire, which is so easy and so fun. And there's spoons and I mean, there's so, so solitaire is one of those examples where frankly, kids today look at you like you're stupid if you suggest playing it with cards because it's right here on my phone. I don't need to shuffle. Before phones became as ubiquitous as they are now, you know, like five years ago, I carried a deck of cards in my purse. Because I have these four boys of different ages, it was very common that I would find myself at some sporting event. Inevitably, it's a tournament and there's two hours between this game and that game. And, you know, I got to try and keep kids busy. With a deck of cards, you can do that. And what I found out was if you had a deck of cards, you would get other kids coming over by you too, looking at what you're doing. And that was true for a long time, even while other people were starting to have phones. So don't neglect some of those simple things. You can just reintroduce them. A deck of cards, by the way, great to have at an airport in case yeah. your flight gets delayed. You can do all kinds of things with them and meet your fellow travelers if, it, if things get really bad. I've done that already too. Okay, I'm putting cards in my purse, Jen. All right, all right. We'll make the iCard generation. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very helpful to have some of these conversations with your kids. Talk to them. Say, hey, this is what people are saying about iGen. They're saying some of these are some of the characteristics. What do you think? Does this match up with what you see? That led to a fascinating conversation with my 18-year-old. Related, my 12-year-old just previous to that had been saying, I don't think that the first and second graders should get Chromebooks because in school now, a lot of schools have, you know, one-to-one -one devices. So I talked to him more about that. And my 12-year-old is thinking that the little kids need more time to do hands-on things and not everything on the computer. And yes, they should still use the computer and the iPad, but not for everything. And I thought that was really interesting feedback from a kid. I was recently in an elementary school where every grade had Chromebooks. And to see how they're being used, how they're replacing other things, it's neither good nor bad, but the awareness that we are taking up part of the school day with this interaction with the screen, thinking, oh, they need that practice. I don't believe that they do because they're going to get it anyway, especially young kids that are doing their math facts on the screen and just tapping the screen. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of kids distracted, off task. They're being asked to compose, to write on the screen. And so that tactile place of pen on paper is taken away, that place where it stimulates your brain to think through your hands, 
is taken away. So all these little things are starting to come to the foreground. It's all new. We don't, we don't know where, you know, how is that kindergarten child that started with a Chromebook, how will he be when he's a senior in high school? How will he be as an adult? These are all things we don't know. But I encourage all of us to think about what are we gaining? What are we losing? It is as simple as, oh, finger dexterity, fine motor skills, that tactile touch. We're losing it. I think you're absolutely right. As everything is changing, one of the things that we as parents can do is look around and see what are some of the experiences maybe our kids aren't getting at school or at daycare, and how can we reincorporate some of that into their lives? Free play is a big one, right? Giving kids time and space to just do whatever they want. Use their imaginations, play in whatever way they want. So try and find and make some time in your schedule where you just go to a park or a woods and maybe you take some friends along and just let the kids play. Let them do whatever they want. Yeah, they might swing sticks around. It's okay. It's good for them. Uh, you mentioned the, the tactile stimulation and manual dexterity. The old standbys, Play-Doh is great for that. Playing with the little matchbox cars and figures, great for that. For kids who love tools, like my Sam, putting things together like nuts and bolts builds up all of that. So think about those things and then think of ways where you can just introduce that or add a little bit more into your family life. That's one way that you can help provide some balance for your child. When it comes to parenting iGen, I think we need to keep a couple things in mind. Number one, don't panic. You will see all kinds of articles and headlines claiming that smartphones are ruining your children. Yes, there may be some negative effects, but generally anything that says something is ruining an entire generation is probably a little over the top and not entirely balanced. Remember, there's a lot we don't know yet. This is all so new that the research hasn't been done. So take some deep breaths. Every time there's something new, there's this moral panic and we always think that what existed before was normal because it was normal for us. Breathe. Don't freak out. Second, you as the parent and the adult have to be a role model also. We can't just tell our kids to engage responsibly online. We have to demonstrate that and we have to talk about that. So that's things like putting your phone away at dinner time, putting your phone away at bedtime talking about responsible digital citizenship, talking about how to separate fact from fiction online. And these are continuous discussions, but it's something that we all have to feel out as families together. I don't think that iGen is going to be any more or less successful than any previous generation. Just like the Gen Xers, the millennials, the baby boomers, there's gonna be pros, there's gonna be cons, and they are going to be hit with challenges that none of us can even see yet. I think we will do this generation a service by expecting the best of them and helping them to achieve it. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you 
in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.